have to learn how to wrestle the devil. The word wrestle here means to go into hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, there's not a gun mentioned in this battle. I wish there was. I often wish I had a gun and I could just smoke it. But there's no gun mentioned. It's, it's getting down on the ground. It's the, the word means to contend with somebody in a hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's, it's like we would think of wrestling. When my children were little, we would wrestle every night before they'd go to bed. We'd go up in the hallway in between their rooms and we would have Bible study. And then we would wrestle. And then it was on. And you would see who could pin who down and, and count to three or get them to give. I give up was the thing we would ask them to say. Maybe you say uncle, but we'd say give up. I give up. I remember the day when all four of them pounced on me and I couldn't get loose. And I had to give. I remember that day. It was a hard, hard day to experience. Your day's coming if you've got little children. Guys, don't think. They won't one day pin you down because they will. We're wrestling against the devil. I'm reading a lot of the Psalms right now. In the Psalms, if you notice how at the end of Psalms, it often has the word Selah. Have you ever noticed that? Selah. You know what that word means? It means think about this. It gives you some great truth about God. Then it says Selah means think about this. We wrestle, not people, but the devil. Think about that. Just think about that. Let that settle in. That's who we're going into hand-to-hand -hand combat against, is the devil. Number two, Satan and his forces are your enemy. That's what verse 12 says. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We'll look at these in... Each one by each one, verse 12. But against principalities and powers. The word principality means a leader, but it in particular means a leader of many, a leader of a great number. One place in the New Testament, Jesus approaches a man who's possessed by a demon and he says, What is your name? And they answered and said, Our name is Legion, for we are many. It means there were thousands of them in that one person. Thousands of demons. And the devil's the leader. He is the principality. He is the leader of the demons. And say it another way. He is the leader of all those who come against God. It means that he has authority over those to lead them in their ways and their deception of coming against God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world is in the power of the evil one. But I want you to remember, he, he does have limited power. The devil's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times. He's only one place. The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And the, and the devil's not omnipotent. He doesn't have all power. God is stronger than he is. Now he says principalities, look at the next phrase. It says he has the powers of the rulers of the darkness of this age, of the darkness of this world. They are numerous. The word rulers is plural. They are numerous, and there are many of these rulers. It says they are in darkness in the world. They rule in the dark, not in the light. The Bible teaches us that when the devil was cast out of heaven because he became a fallen angel, that one-third of the angels went with him. Think about that. One-third of all the angels of heaven chose the devil's side and went with him and were cast from heaven down to the earth. 
The word ruler is made up of two words. It, it's the word possess and the word world. It's this picture of, of the devil holding the possession of the darkness of this world. He rules in the darkness. Look at the next phrase. And the spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual host or wickedness in heavenly or high places. The word spiritual is literally in the Greek the word spirits. It means they are spirit in nature. And the word wicked means evil. And the word high places or heavenlies is the space between heaven and earth. It's the air between the heavens and the earth. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, You once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's what the Bible calls it, the prince of the power of the air. It says in Job chapter 2, verse 2, And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered it and said, From going to and fro on the earth, from walking up and down upon it. So we get this picture that there are these floating, invisible forces, invisible demons that are purely wicked in nature, and they're floating around, if you will, in the heavens. If we could get but a glimpse of that for an instant, it would be quite awakening, I would say. Number three in your notes. He has many strategies. We see this from verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Circle the word wiles there. The wiles of the devil. Before we define wiles, let's look at what it says in verse 11. So that you can stand against his wiles. The point is here in this wrestling match, you are to stand. You're not to be defeated. You're to stay together. You're to Stand on your feet. You're not to be pinned down. The devil wants to defeat your family. The devil wants to defeat your marriage. The devil wants to defeat your, your faith in God. And in this hand-to-hand -hand combat with him, if you would stand, it means this. You would have the victory. But the devil doesn't win this battle. When it's done and it's over, you're not the one being pinned down, giving up. I can preach a whole message on that right there. Though Christian life is filled with many losses, you're not to give up and lay on the ground as if the devil's won and give him his way. You are to stand. Though he knocks you down, you're to stand back up. Though he pins you to the ground, you're to get back up. We call it in my house. Sometimes it's time to go hulk. <laughs> when somebody's really getting in your face and somebody's really trying to pressure you or somebody's really getting a hold of you or got you in the grip and they feel stronger, it's time to turn to hulk and just let all the strength that there is come against that force. And let us look at the word wiles because that's what we're wrestling against is the wiles. It's a word that in the Greek is methodias. It's translated for our English word methods or our English word strategies. The devil has many strategies. I'm going to define this by three different points. First of all, it is an ambush or strategy of war where the enemy comes in unnoticed. He's sneaky. You don't know he's coming. The biblical illustration of this is the snake. The snake who bites at your heel or your ankles from the unnoticed.
from the thick weeds. You didn't know it was there. You're just walking along and all of a sudden he bites you and the poison comes in at the lower part of your body, but it seeks out your heart to destroy you. Often when I'm driving, I, I don't watch things for <laughs> Anything the devil's going to take the form of, I don't want to be part of it. I don't know about you. I don't want a pet snake. If you have a pet snake, I don't want to know about it, and I sure don't want to pet it or hold it when I come to your house. Okay? Keep it to yourself. Often when I'm riding on the tractor cutting hay or something, you know, in high, thick grass, I'll, I'll mow across something, and, and there's the big snake laying on the ground. I'm up here on my tractor, and I've seen it on several occasions rear back and take its mouth and open it wide and try to bite the tire of my tractor. And I'm like, Oh yeah, big boy. You're down there. I'm up here. I'll back up and run over his head. You got to get him in the head to kill him. This kind of strategy the devil has is sneaky, and the devil's trying to win this battle. He wants to pin you down, and often he comes in like a sneaky, poisonous snake. The second illustration of strategies is that they are these snares or traps that are set along your road. In other words, you're just walking along thinking nothing of war with the devil, minding your own business, as it were, maybe even striving to walk with God, and then you fall into this unseen trap. A great illustration for me, personally, for this is walking into a door. You know how the door is not always closed and not always open, but it's like at that 45 degree angle? Have you ever walked into those before? It seems like I do much more than I should, and it always hits me right in the head. And it, it's amazing how much force that there is in the pain of that door just while you're walking. I'm not running, just walking and like, you know, just hit you in the head. You weren't looking for it. You weren't expecting it. You thought everything was okay. You're just trying to go through the door. A door that's not moving reaches out and smacks you in the head. That's the way the devil's schemes are, his strategies are. The third illustration is that he likes to scheme in such a way as to take you by the greatest trickery. I kind of said this a moment ago, the devil hurts most of us more by being in sheep's clothing than by roaring like a lion. This is when the person that you thought was godly or you thought was your dearest friend, the one who hurts you so deeply. I never thought he would lie to me. I never thought he would hurt me. I never thought he would slander me. He has many strategies. strategies. The devil is called, in, in Scripture, Diabolos, which literally means a liar and a slanderer. If you look at the names of the devil in the Bible, he's called devil 32 times, which means to slander, to accuse. 52 times he's called Satan, which means he is your enemy or your adversary. He is called Beelzebub by Jesus, the anointed cherub, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14, the ruler of the demons, Luke eleven fifteen, the ruler of this world, John 16, 11, the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2, and some numerous other things. In the Bible, he's identified as a snake, a great dragon, a roaring lion, the vile one, the tempter, 
the accuser, and the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. He, as it were, fell from light to darkness, from heaven to hell, from an angel to a devil. And he is most miserable now because he has been accused of God and put down by God. Not finally, but he knows he's on his way. And he is very miserable and he wants to take you into his sphere of misery. He wants, as the old saying goes, misery loves company. He wants you in his company. He wants you miserable with him. He is shut out of heaven and reserved for the chains of darkness till that great day of judgment. He wants nothing more than to bring you into the same condition. He wants a host of people to go with him to that place called hell and condemnation. And if he can't get you to be condemned by God, then he will try to get you to sin in such a way that you will ultimately condemn yourself. He wants you to sin. He wants you to live in sin. He wants you to enjoy sin. He wants you to enjoy sin more than God. He knows that if He can get you into sin, you'll call evil good, and you'll call good evil. If He can get you into sin, you'll call light darkness, and darkness light. If He can get you into sin, you'll call godly sinful, and sinful godly. There's a Christian counselor named John White who wrote a book one time, and in this book, he said, this is how the devil works. He says, if you open the top of a piano, you know, if you, the old school pianos, this one doesn't have it, but the old ones had strings in them. He said, if you open the top of a piano and you sung into that piano, just any note, that the string in that piano that matched the note you were singing would vibrate. Did you know that? You just open the piano, sing there a note, and that particular string that matches this note that you're singing, it'll vibrate. And the point is that the devil cannot make a good person bad. What he does is he makes a flawed person worse. He plays on what's already inside of you. And he lies and makes the desire that you already have vibrate more. He doesn't create something new in your heart to cause you to sin. He takes what already lies in your heart and he causes it to vibrate or pronounce or grow stronger within you. In other words, whatever your sin of your heart is most prone to do, the devil will cause that to thrive in your life. David was proud of his people. So Satan provoked him to number them so that he would be even prouder. Samuel chapter 24. Peter was fearful. And so Satan provoked Peter to rebuke Jesus not to go to the cross so that he could save his own neck, if it were, Matthew chapter 16. Ahab's prophets were given to flattery. The devil's spirit came to them and caused them to become liars, and the mouth of 400 of them, 400 of them would flatter him. 2 Kings 22. Judas heart was bent towards being a traitor. And Satan entered his mouth and caused him to accuse Jesus for the sum of a small amount of money in John chapter 13. Ananias' desire was to gain wealth. So much so that Satan filled his heart and caused him to lie. Even the Bible says to lie against the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 5. 
Satan loves to match up your temptations with your inclinations. If you be a person of prosperity, he'll tempt you to deny God. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9. If you find yourself caught in adversity, he'll tempt you not to trust God, not to believe God's timing, and not to believe God's faithfulness. If you have a weak knowledge of God, He'll cause you to think that God is weak, and God is small, and God has little power. If your conscience is tender, then He'll, take, he'll tempt you to think little of God, so that your sin will be all you can view. Your wrongs will be all you can remember, and you'll grow to this place where you actually hate yourself, and you enter into a type of depression. On the other hand, if your conscience is weak, He'll tempt you to think too highly of yourself, Believe that you can even control your own fate and make things happen that were not happening in your own life. He has many devices. That's what this word means. Many wiles, strategies, or devices to draw your soul to sin. He has devices for wise people and for ignorant people. He has devices for rich people and other devices for poor people. He has devices for great and honorable people. At one time, he will restrain from tempting you so that you'll think you're secure and you'll not be watchful for his work in your life. At another time, he will seem to flee away from you and you'll become proud and think you've won some victory. At some time, he'll set your eyes on another man's sins so that you'll be puffed up and think you're better than others. At another time, you'll set your eyes on your own sins to discourage you, even possibly make you have some sort of pity party. See, you can count the stars of heaven and you can count the sand of the seashore, but you'll not discover all the wiles of the devil, all of his strategies and all of his devices. I want to show you two of them that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. I have a scripture I want you to see on the, script, on, on the screen. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Here's the first one. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. There they are, the two mentioned in Revelation, the one who deceives the world and accuses brothers. He is a deceiver. To deceive is to lie. He will lie to you and he will get you to lie. He will get you to lie to yourself and he will get you to lie to others. So much so that Jesus himself calls the devil the father of lies. Liars are his children. It says in John 8, 44, You are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. He is an accuser. 
He is an accuser of you to God. That's what it says. The one who has been accusing the brothers before God day and night. And he is an accuser to you, to yourself. Just one point of application. And it comes from verse 10 in our passage. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It reminds you what the song said that we read last week. We were looking at Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And here he says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. There's three words here that have to do with strength in this one simple sentence. The word strong, the word power, and the word might. The word strong is a reference to us. It says to be strengthened, to be increased in strength, to be made strong. He's saying, brothers, be strengthened. Be made stronger. Rise up in strength is what he's saying. And he, he describes it by saying, in the Lord. Do this strengthening thing in the Lord. This thing where power is going to come upon you, it's in the Lord. And it uses two more other two other words of strength. It says power and might. The word power is the word dominion. It means this: authority plus great power. Dominion. God has authority, and He has great power. And then the word might is ability. He has the ability. God has the ability to exercise His power and His authority. And so when you get strong in the Lord, if I would say, Andrew, it's strong, man, it's stronger in the Lord, it would be that we would come under the Lord's power, that is, His authority and His great power, so that His ability could cause this to come to pass. He said it a different way. Your power is based on how much you are under His power. Your power by yourself is pure weakness. If you're going to see God flex His power on your life, you must come under His authority. For you to get stronger in the Lord, you must surrender under the Lord's authority and allow Him to exercise His power in your life. You need His power, His direction, His timing, His knowledge, His sovereignty. Trust Him. Come under His authority and rely on His power. His power and His ability over you. If you trust that, if you surrender to that, that is when you are strong in the Lord. I remind you, God can do more in a moment than you can do in years. You know, the the discourse here is pitting one against the other. It's wrestling with people versus wrestling with the devil and his spiritual forces. It's pitting one against the other. And what happens in your life is when you care deeply about something like your marriage or your children or your church, you care deeply about something you want to get stronger and more involved in bringing healing or bringing unity. And, and the 
cause you to care so deeply about it, you want to intervene, you want to fix it. You want, especially guys and women, you want to make it better, you want to make it stronger. And so you start thinking about it. What could you do, or what could you say, or where could you go, or how could you make things happen? And in all you're thinking about this, and loss of sleep about this, and loss of peace, Oh, the loss of peace and thinking about this and the worry about it and the fear that comes from it. All the fears. What if this and what if that? And all these things. You've been doing that very long. Sleeplessness and restlessness and loss of peace and knowing fear and knowing worry and thinking what if this happens down the road and what if that happens down the road. If you've been doing that very long, you're exhausted. Amen. You're exhausted and you have accomplished nothing. And so real power is based on how much you come under God's power. And if you're going to wrestle against principalities and powers and the ruler of the darkness of this world, spiritual forces of the devil and his, his boys, it's not that you have to try harder and do better. It's that you have to pray and turn it over to God. What he says down in verse 18, Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray, 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 and trust God. Because God... God is the one who brings darkness to light. God is the one who turns deception and reveals the truth. God is the one who removes blinders from us. Let me just read you some scripture in closing about Jesus being stronger than the devil and then us being stronger than the devil because I want you to know we are not wimps in this fight. Jesus being stronger than the devil. John 14, 30. I will not talk to you much longer, Jesus says, for the ruler of this world coming, and he has no power over me. John 12, 31, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world, now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. 1 Peter 3, 22, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers all subject to him. That's speaking of Jesus. Colossians 2, 15, He disarmed principalities and powers and made a public example of them triumphing over them, He did. What about Jesus' strength in you and me after the resurrection? Acts 26, verse 18 says, He opens their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Let me speak on that one real quick. Have you ever seen anybody that Thought would never get saved, get saved. You've seen that happen. You just, you just lie. It's happened to me recently. I've been praying for somebody for years now. Literally years. You pray for somebody so long you get saved, at times you almost give up. You, you're still praying, but you're like, Lord, save them. And in your doubtful human heart, you're not necessarily even believing they ever could be saved. And then one day, out of nowhere, the Spirit of God does what you and I could never do. He pierces their heart with the Word of God 
and reveals and opens their eyes to see the light of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and they are, by the power of God, miraculously saved in life. Wow. And then, that's not enough just to hear it, but then you're around them and you hear them talk to the Lord and speak of the Lord and walk with the Lord and their views are different. You almost laugh about it, can't you? The strength of God is mighty. Says in Colossians, verse chapter one, verse thirteen, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. First John chapter four, verse four, He says, "Little children, you are of God, and have overcome them. For He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world." Matthew chapter sixteen, verse eighteen. I tell you, Peter. You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And the powers of hell shall not prevail against her. I want you to be aware of the workings of the devil. And get your hands dirty. And pray. Here's what you do. You make sure you're not living in sin. And you're not trying to fix it. And you come under the power of God, power and might of God. And then you just ask God to work, and then you watch Him work. Watch Him work. And then you praise Him. And you worship Him. And you rest in Him. God has blessed this church for over 20 years now with peace and unity. And the devil doesn't like it, I can tell you that. I've been a part of churches where there is no peace and no unity. And it's, it's a hell-like environment. And God blessed us with peace. It came down from heaven. We said many times last week, it's not to be credited to any man or any person or any family. It's to be credited to God. We give God all the glory for it. And you've got to know this. The devil wants to come in and mess it up. Just last year, we had a family visit our church. Some weird things happen. I won't call their names, but some weird things happen. They came one Sunday. Weird things happen. I talked with them after the service. I got an uneasy feeling about them. Something just didn't add up. Something just wasn't right. I asked them before they left. I said, what church did you used to go to? They told me. I couldn't quit thinking about it on Monday. Couldn't quit thinking about it on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I called the pastor of their former church. I said, I'm not asking the gossip or talk about anybody. But I want to ask you about a family that showed up at our church on Sunday and things just didn't seem right and I called him their name. He said, I was wondering where they would go. They're in a formal church discipline from our congregation right now. I said, I don't want to know anything they've done, but if they're in church discipline, can you name for me the scripture that says what kind of discipline they're under? He said, yeah, I'm glad to tell you that. We're disciplining them for spreading discord among the church. I said, what do you want me to do? I knew what's biblical to do, but I said, what do you want me to do? He said, send them back to us. I said, gladly. I got on the phone and I called him. I said, you're no longer welcome to my house church. You've got to go back to the church in front of them where they're disciplining you for spreading discord. We don't want you to live there, leave there and come bring that discord to you. I'm not telling you that story to give myself any credit because if the weird thing that happened on Sunday were here wouldn't have happened, they probably would have been here for months or maybe even years doing their same work here among us. God protects His bride. It's His, it's His desire to protect His bride. Do you believe that? God wants His church to be unified. 
God wants His church to be strong and powerful and unified. God protects His bride. It's His bride. God protects your marriage. God doesn't want the devil to mess up your marriage. God doesn't want the devil to divide you as a husband and wife and cause you to come against one another. The devil wants it, but God doesn't want it. And God's stronger than the devil. The devil wants to divide your family. God doesn't want it. And God's stronger than the devil is. So I'm, I'm just saying to you, to get strong in the Lord means you surrender to the power of God, you trust the ability of God, the timing of God, and you pray and watch God do what God does. And then you praise Him for it. And you bring glory to His name. Would you close your eyes Bow your heads. If you have something you've been battling with right now, I want to invite you to prayer. And ask you to do just that. Just turn it over to God and ask God to show Himself strong. To show His mighty power and His ability to make things right. Know that when you pray this prayer, sometimes God does some pretty big things. Not to be taken back by the mighty things that he does. Father, we, we trust you today as a church. We again give you glory that you are the one who has brought unity here to this place. We believe that it is your desire for that unity to continue. And we pray that you protect us, Father. Lord, that we be strong as brothers against the devil. We'd be able to come into the power of God, under the authority of God, trust in your ability to make things right. Father, I pray if there be a marriage here today, Lord, that the devil's trying to disrupt. He's using his schemes and his strategies to cause a husband to begrudge his wife or a wife to have ill feelings towards her husband. We call that the devil's work today and we as a church join together in prayer and ask Lord that you did you bring a love into that home again that's God ordained by the Spirit of God. There'd be a spirit of love there, a spirit of forgiveness there, a spirit of peace and harmony there. Lord, if there's sin going on, that sin is blinding. That sin is deceiving and disrupting. If that sin lay at the feet of the man in that home, I pray you cause him today to lay it down. To stop. If that sin lay at the feet of the wife in that home, I pray you cause her today to lay it down and stop it. Change your views. Change your heart. Even change your desires, Lord. Let her come under the authority of God and love her husband. Let him come under the authority of God and love his wife the way Jesus loves the church. Father, bless their marriage. Let it be a beautiful picture of the work of God, the move of God. Let it be a picture of life and salvation. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, do not allow the devil to destroy that home. Not allow the devil to destroy that marriage. Lord, if there's one here that seems to be destroyed already, 
We know that you're the great physician and you can heal it. You can bring it back together. You can make it strong again. All these things start so small and the devil just lets it fester and grow until one day he's got his foothold. Don't let it be so, Lord. We claim victory over the marriages of this church today. We pray in Jesus' name. Victory would be found in Jesus' name. Victory would be there. Father, we ask you to have your way. You move in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?